You're listening to episode 25 of Wake Coach with Joanne Philomena from Joanne the Life Coach. This is permanent weight loss through overcoming the urge to overeat. I'm now a proud affiliate for Amazon.com. Anytime you shop through the affiliate link, you don't pay a penny more, but Amazon gives a few cents of their profits to support this podcast. So go to JoanneTheLifeCoach.com slash Amazon. Once there, reset your bookmark or your favorites so that you're always shopping through the affiliate link. Again, that's it, joannethelifecoach.com slash Amazon. And thank you for your support. What does focus, willpower, and desire have in common? It just may be the fact that we don't have unlimited amounts of each. Focus. This is a function of our prefrontal cortex. Remember, I've talked about this higher brain in the front of our head. It's the part that makes us human. The prefrontal cortex is where we can plan, make decisions, differentiate between good and bad, better and best. It's the part of our brain that can predict outcomes. We use it to set future goals. It's basically the keyboard of our computer. It can create the input for the rest of our brain regions. Remember, I spoke last week about the fact that we are like master computer programmers designing the apps that run in the other parts of our brain on automatic for us. Focus, willpower, and desire are all part of the prefrontal cortex's function. These are not unlimited resources. As you focus intensely on something, all other things start to tune out. If you're engrossed in a movie, it makes it easier for someone to sneak up on you from behind and scare you. This is because almost all of your focus is now directed at the movie. If you had unlimited amounts of focus, You could focus on a task forever without any distractions ever, but focus is not unlimited. Have you ever tried focusing in on something for so long and so intensely that you finally had to just give up and walk away, go lay down? Working throughout the afternoon on my computer, I find that I have to break away. I go get coffee, go take a walk, or just go look out a window. The more of your focus that you direct on one thing, the less focused is left on anything else. This comes into play. You hear stories about how when people lose their eyesight, their hearing becomes especially acute. It's because they're no longer splitting up focus in the prefrontal cortex between what the eyes see and what the ears hear. All of that focus that we use on our vision can now be redirected to their other senses. Focus is not unlimited. Willpower. Asserting willpower takes a bit of our focus. Willpower is also not unlimited. You only have just so much willpower to apply at any given time. When you are dieting, it is taking your willpower and a lot of your focus is also being placed there to ensure the willpower doesn't waver. 
you're also focusing on what you're going to eat that day, how many calories or points it is, how you're going to get through your coffee break at work when there's sure to be a pile of donuts sitting in a box in the break room. I'm sure you're seeing the immediate consequences of using a portion of your focus to stay on a traditional diet program. What happens to the amount of focus you would normally expend on your tasks at work, on your kids at home, even just on reading a book? When you pull focus into that one area of dieting, you're losing out on the rest of what's going on in your life. It's not like you can put focus into the diet for a few minutes and then pull it back to focus on your job. You are engaging willpower and it takes constant focus. If you did not have any focus at all directed to your willpower, you might just get up from your desk and hit the break room right now for that waiting donut. What is that? You're telling me you don't want to eat a donut? Well, you better keep some focus on your willpower. Do you begin to see what happens, especially when willpower is finite? You can only maintain that white knuckled grip on your diet for just so long before your prefrontal cortex eventually has to let it go. It might be in 12 weeks. It might be in six weeks. It might be in six days. It might be in six hours. Eventually, something else is going to come up in your life that needs some immediate focus. And the focus on your willpower applied to your diet is going to have to go. Your child becomes critically ill. Your husband loses his job. Maybe you're surprised with a birthday cruise without having had a chance to plan for it. Maybe there's a sudden huge project at work dumped in your lap. It can be anything of any importance or size that's clamoring for your prefrontal cortex to focus in some executive function on it. You find yourself wondering what the heck happened to your motivation. You just can't seem to get yourself back on track no matter how hard you try for your eating. And you blame yourself endlessly for backsliding and regaining the weight. This is why dieting is difficult to sustain. Throw in the fact that your body may be rebelling against you because the brain fights for survival against a lack of food. And well, then what are your chances of succeeding with a traditional diet plan? I'll tell you, less than 5%. Some studies say less than 1%. We blame ourselves, but the truth is it's the diet that doesn't work. You're fine. Your brain and your body are functioning exactly as they're designed to, to provide you with the best chances of survival. It's the number one function of your brain and your body to protect you, and they perform amazingly well. That's why you need to get in touch with them, understand them, and listen to them. This is how you're going to find your way back to your best body your healthiest body, your most preserved and alive body. Now let's bring desire in, the final leg of this triad. In last week's podcast episode, I talked about where desire comes from. We have programmed in the desire response, but we've not been consciously aware of exactly where we've been programming in 
our desire. So we have heaps of desire programmed in for a snack in the evening and only a tad of desire programmed in for wearing that cute dress in the back of your closet that doesn't zip up anymore. You see, just like focus and willpower, desire is not an unlimited resource. You only have just so much desire. And if you pile desire onto something, it starts to be pulled away from other places in your life. Maybe you desire to wear the cute dress. You desire your loving husband. You desire your child's happiness. And you also desire to eat pizza and ice cream. And suddenly that bucket of desire is being poured all over the image in your head of the pizza and ice cream. Little desires left in that bucket for the dress or your husband or your child. Is there any wonder you go ahead and pig out that evening at the local pizza parlor? And it feels wonderful to do that. All that desire dumped out and then it's being rewarded. Wow, all that pizza and the dopamine released in your head. Meanwhile, no desire left for your husband. No desire to bother you at all about your child's happiness. What's that? No? No, you say you still care about your child's happiness? Really? Even though you're actively killing your child's mother with pizza and ice cream? If you were suddenly murdered, what would happen to your child's happiness? Yet here you are lying to yourself that your desire for your child to be happy when in truth, all your desires just been dumped out on pizza and ice cream. Okay, that's brutal, I know. But it helps to get the point across about just how much desire we have available to us and where we've been spending our desire budget. You would never consciously spend more desire on pizza than you would on your child's happiness. I totally get that. The same for desiring that handsome man you married. So it becomes obvious that it's critical for us to get a handle on just where our desire is being directed or misdirected. Brooke Castillo reminds us that the brain unobserved is like a child running with a knife. And so it is. So sit down right now and draw two large circles on a piece of paper. It's okay. You can pause this podcast. Go get a piece of paper and do this. Don't forget what you're doing. Come back and start the podcast again to finish this. You're going to want to do this. I'm waiting for you. Go get the paper. Okay, you're back. Good. Now, you're going to draw two large circles on that piece of paper. These are going to become your pie charts for desire. The first pie chart is how much of that circle is going to what in your life right now okay that first circle you divide it up to where you think your desire is being allocated right now when i did this exercise at advanced training i didn't even have to think hard i knew darn well i had a large portion of that pie going towards eating satisfaction Okay, other parts of it were going to other places. A big piece of it was going towards my business as a life coach. Think of your desire in three categories. You have unanswered, neglected desire. Things that you've yearned for, but you haven't put any focus of desire into. Maybe you're thinking, I can't have it. 
There's quick fix escape desire, food, maybe alcohol, Facebook time, shopping. It's that desire. I just want it, right? I just want it. Quick fix desire. The last is genuinely answered desire. Things you already have. Maybe it's your car, your house, your husband, your job. Genuinely answered desire. So in your first pie chart, how has your desire been divided up? Where has your allocation of desire been going? It's If you are honest with yourself doing this, that alone is a real eye-opener. Now for that second pie chart, the second circle on your piece of paper. This is where do you want to spend your desire? We're taking the knife out of that child running around in your brain, okay? How much desire would you push towards weight loss, which is probably an unanswered, neglected desire, as opposed to desire for dessert, a quick fix desire? How about all the rest of your life around you, the desire for your mate, your job for business success, your desire for self-evolution. Start to divide up that chart. Look at it. Where would you consciously want to place your capacity for desire? Now, after doing this exercise for the first time myself, I had a lot of questions afterwards. Questions like, when a desire is fulfilled, is there now like excess desire hanging out there that I need to redirect before it defaults to my lower brain and goes straight to donuts or alcohol or shopping? <laughs> like what happens if one of those desires is fulfilled and now I have this extra desire in the bucket? I need to consciously pay attention and reallocate it maybe. I had a question about can I flip the switch on desire? Like the next time I have a huge craving for chocolate chip cookies, is there a switch that I can flip all that desire right back over to the cute dress in my closet? In advanced training, they said that desire feels good. But I immediately freaked out over that because I thought to myself, no, to me it feels wild and out of control. Right. When I get that urge for a snack in the evening, it's like it's happening from outside of me. I'm not in control of it. It's some wild animal thing. But guess what? After working with that exercise and paying attention to my desire consciously, it begins to feel less wild. It was wild and out of control because I was being wild and out of control with my desire. I was not even aware that I could consciously choose where my desire goes, but I can. I can. The last couple of evenings, when the urge has come up for a snack around 8.30, p.m., and it does, I've been staying up a little later because I've been watching the Olympics. I always get sucked into the Olympics. I think, oh, I don't care about the Olympics. And then I turn on the opening ceremony. And after that, man, I am locked in. So I've been staying up a little later last night watching the swimmers. When I stay up late, my little snack urges start to come out of the closet, right? So 
The last few evenings when the urge has come up for a snack around 8.30, 9 o'clock, I've noticed it without reacting to it. I've been like, oh, there's that misdirected desire. And I sit there and I, I'm noticing the desire without acting on it. And I remember that I also desire to wear the really darling moss green silk tank and skirt that I used to love wearing. Bam, drop the mic, lady. If there were a row of four switches on a switch plate labeled snack, three of them had just flipped off. And several of the switches over on the switch plate labeled, I want to wear the green silk outfit, switched to on. I was stunned at how immediate it was. This is revolutionary, I tell you. Yes, I had to sit there and continue to experience that flow of desire. And I needed to keep flipping those switches back a few times. You know, just telling myself, yeah, but... God, that little silk green tank felt so good to wear. I did it. And the next night that this came up again, it was easier. Reprogramming your flow of desire in your little desire apps in your brain that you've programmed in seems to be far easier than I ever dreamed it could be. Seriously. Want more? Get yourself over to joannephilomena.com and register for the Weight Loss Mastermind. That's where we are going to be taking it to the next level. And everyone will be working together to learn the techniques that allow you to become an observer of your own thoughts and feelings. We are going to break this stuff down and be applying it every day in our lives together. I'm going to teach you how to redirect your, mo your master programmer skills to the applications that you want running in that instinctive lower brain. You're going to get back to the body you were meant to be wearing. It's all happening right now, and we are going to rock it. So get in the door now and become aware of the amount of desire you are directing consciously and how much is still being directed by that child running with a knife in your brain. Until next week.